to see us outside? Yeah. Seems like you're maybe need to flip it over. You missed a slap. You're judging me? I just think there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Some dogs on the barbecue. This is together for Salem. Welcome to our backyard. I am Monica. This is Aaron. How you doing? This is our barbecue. We like to call him Mr. W. Mm -hmm. We're representing Cross Creek Community Church. We're a church people who don't normally go to church. This is our online church service. So welcome. This is for you, whether you're a church goer or not. These are smelling already. Yeah. Okay. Gonna I'm, gonna, I'm gonna count on you to keep an eye on those. Yeah, okay. I got a temperature and whatnot. I'm okay. gonna turn them down just a little bit. This week, we're doing a giveaway uh, to Saw Salem Ale Works. We talked about it in episode, uh, the other episode, if you missed it. But this is our winner. Yep, right, right here. here. Gift card. See? Congratulations. We'll also tag you in the post. And you guys can enter to win a gift card or a um, credit, store credit, uh -huh. to Agape Custom Shop. This week, check out our hats. This is actually my favorite outdoor work hat now. I don't have to wear sunscreen. It protects my neck in the back. Oh, good sales Which pitch. is wonderful. Uh, so you can get a baseball cap or you can get a straw hat like this to work outside in and just look fancy on the beach and stuff. That's right. Yep. And I don't play guitar, but my hat holds a guitar pick. It has a guitar pick. Which is pretty cool. Yep. Pretty well, I awesome. kind of play guitar, but not really. You should play us some chord sometime. 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 That'll be a real treat. Speaking of guitar, <laughs> speaking of guitar, Park Hangout is happening mm -hmm. this week, Wednesday, West Bennett Park at 645. It's right. going to be July 8th. So if you're watching this after July 8th, sorry. But maybe we'll have another one. So show up, West Bennett Park, bring your chairs, bring your friends, bring your blankets and your snacks. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to sing some songs or listen to some music. Uh, the kids can play on the playground. We can socially distance ourselves from each other, but also be social. So we're gonna come back at the end. We're gonna pass it over to John. Yep. Yep, take it away, John. Hey, you ever feel judged? Like you go to a fancy dinner party and you're the guy wearing a t-shirt? You ever felt judged by a church or a religious person? Even if you've never stepped foot in a church, I'll bet you've been judged by somebody who's calls themselves or considers themselves religious, right? I'm a pastor and I still feel that sometimes weekly feeling judged where people look down on you because you don't talk the way they think you should or act the way they think you should or wear the right things or, you know, do what you're supposed to do. In fact, it's, it's one of the main reasons I think people give up on church. One of the main reasons some people never have even tried church in the first place because they don't want to be judged. And that's something I think people all over reject about church. But the interesting thing that we are seeing in this series of Jesus versus religion is that the same things people reject about church, Jesus also rejected. Especially when people were judgmental. In fact, it's Jesus who said, do not judge so that you will not be judged. 
Jesus himself said that. So why are the people who claim to know Jesus the best are the ones who are the best at judging other people? What is that? Why is that? And here's, here's what I want to talk about tonight as we enjoy this nice setting. It's religion. Religion is the problem. Religion makes people judgmental. And so to look at this, I want to look at a story. It's a true story. In fact, it's almost a, it's, it is an autobiographical story that a guy named Matthew wrote. He wrote it probably around 60 AD. He was one of Jesus' disciples. And he, uh, as he's, his job after Jesus died, rose again, and, and went back to heaven, his job was to tell people what it was like to be with Jesus. Tell people how much God loved them because of what Jesus did for them. And so as he's getting older, he realizes, hey, I need to write this stuff down. I need to write down what I saw. And he wrote it down, and we still have it preserved for us. It's the historical account. We call it the Gospel of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in this section that we're going to look at, Matthew's basically talking about, hey, this is the moment I met Jesus. This is when my life completely changed. So this is an autobiographical uh, account of Matthew's life. And so as we, as we look at this account of, of judging and there's, there's a dinner involved, Jesus has been having some run-ins with the religious leaders. He's been forgiving sins, which was reserved only for God. And that's a whole, whole other series, Jesus forgiving sins when only God could forgive sins. He's been healing people and, and touching the untouchables of that society, touching lepers that were unclean and they had to be shunned from society. He healed a, uh, a Roman soldier's servant, the hated Romans, he goes and helps them. So he's been having run-ins with religious leaders. He's been accepting people, like we saw in the last episode, Simon, who had you know nothing to do with the religion, and he's calling them to be part of his new movement. And that's kind of where we pick up this story in, in the book of Matthew. Here's how it goes. As Jesus was walking along, typical everyday walk with Jesus, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. And we usually read that like, okay, no big deal. You know, just regular old day, a little socio-political, economic, ancient Israel stuff, tax collectors, booths, and how that works. But for the people who were there in the first century, and the people reading this after Matthew wrote it, they realized something is about to go down. Jesus, this holy teacher who's been healing people, forgiving sins, now sees a tax collector. That's a big deal. Because these tax collectors were Jewish by ethnicity, but they were working for the Romans who had conquered their own people. Not only were they working for the Romans, they were actually considered traitors to their people because they were extracting taxes from their people to pay the, uh, the conquering occupiers. And then on top of that, they would charge extra so that they could get paid and get wealthy off of the taxes of their own people. And they would use the might of the Roman army to enforce those taxes. And so they were shunned in society. They were hated. They weren't, they were even fully considered Jews. They couldn't participate in the religion of the day. They couldn't go to the synagogues. In fact, they were separated. They're separated from other people. They were considered, you know, separate from themselves, their heritage. They weren't even true Jews. And they were separated from their God because of the choices they had made in their life. So completely separated existence here. And so everyone's seeing this, everyone who's there, when Jesus stops and sees, sees Matthew, this Jewish trader at the tax collector's booth, says, all right, here we go. Jesus is going to give it to this guy. He's going to tell him you're a traitor. You're going to hell. Unless you turn, you're going to burn, right? 
Jesus says this. He says, follow me, turning to Matthew, follow me and be my disciple. Not just like one of the dudes who kind of thinks I'm cool, but like one of my main 12 guys. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. What? Like, how does that even work? Jesus, who's supposed to be like the Messiah who saves the Jewish people, is calling this traitor to follow him, to be one of his main guys, to be a guy that's going to lead this, this movement. What, did, what had Matthew done to earn any of this? Nothing. He'd done nothing. And hey, let's, let's think, what, what didn't Jesus say here that he, he probably should have said in our minds? He didn't say repent. He didn't say, hey, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. I just need you to know the truth because I care about you. He didn't say, you know what? What you're doing is wrong. I don't condone it, but I love you. He didn't. He just said, hey, follow me. He didn't. What didn't he make Matthew do? He didn't make Matthew publicly repent or publicly swear allegiance to the Jewish nation and totally condemn what Rome is doing. He didn't even ask Matthew to make amends. And he still said, follow me, be one of my main guys. And also, Matthew hadn't offered to do anything. He hadn't offered to change in any way. In fact, he, he wasn't even trying to follow Jesus. He was just there minding his own business, having his regular day with being a tax collector. But Jesus pursued him. Jesus sought him out because Jesus accepts the people most people reject. And just, just look at this crew, this motley crew that Jesus is creating. Last, last episode, we saw Simon Peter. Jesus called Simon Peter, this totally unreligious guy, just a regular fisherman, no love for the Romans. Later, we see that another of his disciples is called Simon the Zealot, two Simons. Simon the Zealot. This is like a literal freedom fighter who fights the Romans to get them out of their land. And now you have Matthew who's been working for the Romans against his own people. And you thought the political discussions around your dinner table have been awkward lately. Just think what those discussions were like and how that worked out. And they're all together in the same group uh, working on bringing the same movement to fruition. But the story actually gets better. Well, it gets better or it gets worse depending on how you really feel about religion. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors, now there's even more of them, and other disreputable sinners. These are Jewish people. These sinners are Jewish people, but they're religious outcasts for one reason or another. They've been kicked out of the synagogue for their life choices. They're obviously, everyone who sees them says they're obviously far from God. They're not, you know, truly following God's ways. They're not religious in any way. They are the bad people. They're the ones you don't want your daughter to date. They're the ones you don't want your son to hang out with after synagogue school. And Jesus here is sharing a meal with them, which is huge in that culture. If you share a meal with somebody, it means I accept you. Not only do I accept you, I identify with you. You are my people. You are the person I want to be identified with. And I'm sure at this dinner party, these disciples, who some of them were good Jewish boys, probably felt uncomfortable hanging out with these sinners, these people their parents had told them never to be with. But they figure, I, I'm thinking they figure if Jesus is good with it, then even though it makes me uncomfortable, I, I'll go with it. Which usually is a pretty good rule of thumb, right? If we're uncomfortable, but, we, but Jesus would be good with it, we should probably go with it. 
And so everyone's having a good time, enjoying the party, right? Matthew was rich, so this is probably one of the best parties some of these guys have ever been to. Having a good time until those annoying, goody, goody religious guys show up. And here's what happens. When the Pharisees, the Pharisees are, are the religious leaders of the day. They are like the religious of the religious. They wanted to be so religious that they even added rules to the original rules that God had given the Jewish people just to make sure they didn't break the rules, right? It's so like if, if keeping the rules was good, then maybe we should make more rules so we can keep even more and earn even more favor with God. So that's the Pharisees. When the Pharisees saw this, and there's this like doom feeling of, oh, the Pharisees have now seen it, right? They asked the disciples. They didn't have the guests to talk to Jesus. They go to like the, the lesser guys. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Subtle, right? Jeez. You probably shouldn't call the people that Jesus is hanging out with scum. You probably shouldn't call anybody that Jesus created in his own image scum. It usually doesn't work out for you. And so these Pharisees say, why does your teacher eat with such scum? They're shocked and they're angry that Jesus is doing this. Why? Well, because religious people use religion to try and earn God's approval. Religious people use religion to try and earn God's approval. And so when they see people who aren't trying as hard as them, aren't doing all the religious things that they do, and they see those people still be accepted, still be treated with honor, still matter, it makes them angry because it's unfair, right? They've done all the stuff. They should be the ones getting all the attention and all the rewards and all the blessings. It makes them bitter because if, if they have to do all this stuff and sacrifice this way, then everyone else should too. It's just not fair. You ever meet a bitter and angry religious person? That's why it's not fair. And now the next part is probably one of my favorite parts in all of the New Testament writings. And remember that time that you were judged and maybe you're in the shower the next day and you, you finally came up with that comeback that was awesome. You felt like, oh, I never, I never really had that good comeback. Well, you wish you had one? Well, check it out. Jesus has your back. Here's what he says. So they go to the disciples, like, why does Jesus eat with the such scum? When Jesus heard this, <laughs> uh-oh, like, like, picture it. Jesus like, excuse me? You got a problem? You come talk to me. Not these guys. You come talk to me. Like, Jesus is getting defensive for his people here. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. With him saying that to Pharisees, now go and learn. In that, it's super insulting. He's saying, look, you don't understand what you're, what you're reading. It's like how a teacher would talk to a younger student. And so these religious leaders who prided themselves on their knowledge of the scriptures, on, on the memorization of these holy texts, were now being treated as ignorant school kids. And so Jesus quotes one of the Jewish prophets to them. A passage they had probably memorized. The passage that, oh yeah, I know that one, right? He says, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. And this is God talking in this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. I want you to show mercy, not offer 
sacrifices. See, their own scriptures, the things, the thing that they had based their entire life on, that they were so proud of, that they thought made them holy and set apart, actually told them, God doesn't care how religious you are. He doesn't care about the sacrifices you make to convince yourself and to convince others how close you are to God and how important you are to God. See, God cares not about your religion and all the rules you follow, and we'll talk about that in another episode. God cares about how you treat the people he made. Are you merciful? Do you empathize? Are you helpful? Do you forgive? Are you loving? Are you accepting? That's mercy. These Pharisees, they're doing the opposite. They're condemning the people Jesus loved. And in doing so, they're actually condemning Jesus too. Jesus wasn't done. He says this, For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. See, there's two types of people in this world. There's people who admit they're sinners, people who admit they are sinners, and there's liars. So hold on. Stay with me. You are safe. I can't see you. But we're going to talk about sin for a second. Maybe pause it and take a breath. Pause this episode take a breath. See, there's two types of people, those who admit they're sinners and those who lie and say, I haven't sinned. And so when we talk about sin, it's like this church word. We never use that in, in real language, right? Oh, you've sinned against me, employee. We don't say that. Sin basically is this. It's breaking the law of love. See, Jesus was asked, what are the two things, what are, what are the top law of God? And he said, two things, love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Sin is breaking that law of saying what I want is more important than you, person next to me. What I want is more important, important than what you need, other person created in God's image. And that's sin. And so when we're confronted with that reality, that we've all done that in some way, we have two options. We either admit it or the usual. We compare ourselves to other people to make ourselves feel better. Yeah, you know, I've done some stuff. I've made some mistakes. By the way, what do you call a mistake you did on purpose? Usually we call it sin. Sure, I've, I've made some mistakes, but I'm not as bad as them. Right? See, religion, and whether you call it religion or not, it's basically this idea of basing our worth on the fact that we're a good person. Well, I'm okay because I'm a good person. I'm better than that. Right? So that religion, whether you call it that or not, tricks us into thinking that there's this scale. And the more, when we do bad things on this scale, it, you know, puts us in the bad column. But the more good we do, it'll, it'll start to outweigh our bad. And we say, well, I'm not as, you know, I'm not as low on this scale as that guy, right? But see, in reality, we're all so far behind. Was it this way? We're all so far behind that we can never balance it out. So you think about it. We'll go with the little stuff. One lie or one judgmental thought. We hate judgmental people, but we always think judgmental thoughts. One judgmental thought a day. 
That's 365 a year. That's a lot in a lifetime, right? That's a lot of little things moving that scale. And nothing we can do can take away the hurt we've caused somebody, right? We, if we um, ghost somebody and we say, you know what, you don't matter. What I want matters more than you. You can't take that away. It happened. No matter what you do, you can't go back and change the past. There's nothing that can take that away. So even, you know, doing like picking up trash on the highway for a adopt a highway program, it's not going to change how you treated somebody. It's still there. It, nothing takes it away. We can't do that on our own. And now listen, God hates sin. You know why he hates it? Because it kills. It kills relationships. It kills our relationship with those who we've hurt. It kills our relationship with ourselves. We can't even bear to like be alone with ourselves or look ourselves in the mirror. And it separates us. It separates us from, from others, from, from ourselves. And it separates us from God. So he hates that. He doesn't want to be separated from us. He doesn't want us separated from ourselves and others. God hates sin, but he loves you. See, sin, like cancer... In order for the body to live, it has to be removed. It has to be destroyed. Sin has to be removed somehow. And so how do you destroy sin? Just like cancer, you have to cut it out at the source. But what's the source of sin? Me. You. The source of sin is humans. And so to destroy sin, what would God have to destroy? Us. But he loves us. He doesn't want to destroy us. So how did he destroy sin and bring restoration without destroying us? Jesus. See, Jesus came and satisfied true justice for all the sin, all the hurt we've ever caused. And he took the punishment for it when he died on that cross. It's like a judge saying, you're guilty. And then coming down, like you have like a parking ticket or even worse, like you're some kind of fine. He says, guilty. The fine is $50,000. And then he comes off his bench, takes off his robe, writes a check for $50,000, gives it to the bailiff and goes back up and then says, paid in full. Your your bill is paid. That's what God did. He said, you're guilty, but I'm going to pay your penalty. And see, we always hope, you know, doing good will have our fine, you know, decreased a little bit for good behavior, right? That's not what happened. See, instead, he totally paid it off and we did nothing. Just like Matthew did nothing to be called by Jesus. Just like Simon did nothing to be called by Jesus. It totally pays it off. In fact, not only does it pay it off, Jesus destroyed that scale that we're trying to balance our lives out with. And so he rose from the dead after he paid that penalty, showing that he actually had the authority to end sin and its ultimate consequence, its ultimate uh, ending, death. Jesus came for those who know they are sinners. Jesus didn't come to judge. He came to restore, to restore our relationship with him, with each other, even with ourselves. It wasn't, he didn't come just to get people to sin less, to balance that scale. He didn't, get, he didn't come just so people would do more good things. See, that's religion. Jesus wasn't about religion. He came to provide what every sinner, not a mistake here, what every sinner actually needs. Forgiveness and restoration. 
And we are forgiven and we are restored the moment we admit we're sinners. The moment we give up trying to outbalance that scale, the moment we throw that scale away, and we just trust his payment to forgive us. His payment to pay our fine. And then the transformation really begins, right? True, lasting, powerful change really only can begin when we allow Jesus to transform our thinking, transform how we love. And he calls us to follow him. And when we do, we are transformed and able to love through his love. It changed Matthew from this traitorous, conniving tax collector to a inner circle follower of Jesus who actually writes an autobiography that millions and millions of people have read and it's changed their lives. It's changed my life. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, let's back up just one second. If you call yourself a Jesus follower, how comfortable are you with the fact that Jesus accepted Matthew, that Jesus called Matthew, without pointing out any of his sin, telling him the truth, or telling him to change his lifestyle in any way before he actually called him. Does that make you uncomfortable? See, you can't earn God's love by being religious. You can't. It's not how it works. You were never called to follow a religion. You were called to follow Jesus. You haven't earned God's love by being religious. You already had God's love from before you were born. You're not forgiven because of you and what you've done. You're forgiven because of Jesus and what he did. And now you are free. You're free to forgive and to love the way that you are forgiven and loved. You're free to throw away those scales that we have for each other. We don't have to force other people to balance out their good and their bad with us. We were forgiven. Our scales were thrown away. We, now we can throw away their scales. See, that kind of life, that kind of thinking, that kind of love, is what changes individuals, changes people, changes communities, changes nations. See, God desires mercy. He doesn't desire sacrifice. He desires mercy, not religious ritual. Maybe you're not a Jesus follower, and you're watching, which is awesome. That's why we invited you to hear Have you ever been judged by a religious person or a religious organization in some way? You need to hear this. If you've ever felt judged by a Christian, it's because they weren't following Jesus. They were following religion. Maybe the judging hasn't come from the outside, it's come from within, you've judged yourself. There's too much in your past. There's too much in in what you're doing right now that would, no way God would love you. No way God would accept you. Everything you've, you've done, everything has brought you here, would obviously make God reject you. You're not rejected. You are the person Jesus specifically came for. Lean into that. Lean into these episodes. Lean into the, the biblical writings and explore. You're safe to explore and ask questions and have doubts. Find out who Jesus was, who Jesus is now, what he said, what he believed about people, and what he did. Maybe maybe read this, this book that I'm talking about, Matthew's autobiography about his life with Jesus. Eyewitness account of what Jesus' life was really like. Discover who Jesus was. Discover the love God has for you. And maybe if you're ever to this point, Accept his love for you. Accept that there is no more scale and he paid it all for you. And if you're ever to that point, let us know. Write to us at info at yourcrosscreek.com and just say, I want to know more about Jesus. 
we'll write you back. But think of the life we could have together as we get rid of those scales. We get rid, get rid of judging each other. A life of no judgment, where we're all free to be ourselves. Where a, a life of unending love, of for, uh, unconditional forgiveness and acceptance. Freedom from having to compare yourself to others. Freedom of trying to measure up. See, what you're invited, what we're all invited to is not a dead life of judgment, but a growing life of loving others. See, Jesus doesn't, doesn't invite us to accept religion. He invites us to accept each other as we follow him to something greater together. So let's accept together and find this something greater. Aaron and Monica, back to you. Those are looking good. Thanks, babe. Yeah. Sorry, it's also a very clean grill. You did a good job cleaning Thank earlier. You. I'm sorry for judging you and it's your okay, cleaning honey. skills. No problem. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Happy Fourth. Happy yeah. Independence Day. Happy Independence Day, everybody. Yeah. What else do the people need to come this week? Thank you, John, for that message. It was nice to have dinner with you and hear that message about how Jesus accepts us. There's some things in the show notes if you want to check it out. Some readings. Uh, from Psalms and Ephesians that kind of go along with uh, what John talked about. Another good basketball array. Uh, another good follow-up would be uh, a welcome card. So if you're new, if you're just watching this content for the first time, fill out the welcome card at this URL and we'll get back to you. We'll send you a free e-gift card. And we just want to thank you for watching our content, for coming to church with us in our backyard to this barbecue. And I think our dogs are just about ready. They're pretty much done. So fill out the welcome card. There's questions coming up at the end. Comma, no. Uh, maybe no, we'll see you at West it. Bennett Park. No. comma. Oh, comma's eating the chips. Well, I gotta go. Because we have some chips to disinfect now. So. You want some? Uh, maybe later. <laughs> see you next time. See ya. Happy 4th of July. Alright, lunchtime. <laughs>